Hey, welcome to the little disclaimer before the episode. So me and my friend Bethany talked over Skype, and so the audio quality, I've done my best, but as someone who has no no experience or education in audio engineering, it's not as good as it could be. And quick trigger warning, we do discuss the effects of spousal and domestic abuse very briefly in the conversation. So if that's something that you just don't want to hear anything about, I will go ahead and skip this episode. Anyways, I hope you enjoy. The Conquest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. So, recording on that end, and now back to Skype. I... Going to start recording. So, he- hello, Bethany. How are you today? Can Can you hear me? Yeah, but you're really fuzzy. Oh, okay. I wonder if it's just the connection. I've got decent internet, but Skype is Skype is funny. But everyone has Skype, so that's fantastic. It has been so long since I have seen your face like move. <laughs> Same. <laughs> So uh, I just, what, I'm just going to introduce you really quickly. I'm talking to Bethany Peters. Uh, she's fantastic. And like me, has a passion for happiness. It's not Peters anymore. Not. Is it? It's you have a different Williams last name now. now. It's Williams? Yes. Yes, Bethany Williams. And I knew that. Um, <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> we go way back like way, way far back. But the important thing is that we both have a passion for happiness and the pursuit of it. And I did a little while ago, I posted on my Facebook asking if anyone had any thoughts on happiness. And Bethany, being the superstar that she is, sent me a whole bunch of information about about some research and reading she's done. So I'm gonna interview the heck out of her. So my first, my first question would be, how do you define happiness? It's knowing overall in your life that everything is good. You have to have certain needs met in your life. And if you don't have those needs met, you're not going to feel that real happiness. You might feel some joy at certain things in your life, but when you're all alone, really, you got to ask yourself, am I happy? Decision you have. Is everything in my life good? You got to have your basic needs met before you can reach that, that true happiness. Okay, so what are your basic needs? Food, water, shelter, and then there's different tiers. It's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's all the way at the bottom with the basics, food, safety, shelter, and then it goes all the way up to self-actualization. Self-actualization is where you reach where you're truly happy. That's, okay, so self-actualization is where you reach when you're truly happy. That's, that's what that means. Yes. Okay, so between those, I'm just curious what kind of things fall in between those. I imagine love, connection, yes. that type of thing. Yes, that's right above feeling safe and, and having shelter things. Finding somebody to share that with. And like your friends and family, uh, significant other, that, that's where they fall. Um, but that could also be your pet. You know, it doesn't have to be another person if you're not another per- people person. 
not feeling alone is basically where that is. And then, and then above, right above that is esteem. That's feeling respect for yourself. Okay. Being able to show respect to other people. It's really hard to display respect when you don't have that for yourself. And you can't, it's, you can't be happy if you don't have respect for yourself. That's not the real happiness. If you don't respect yourself, you're not going to have that real long-term happiness. I agree fully with that. You said someone's hierarchy. I just, because the connection isn't super great, could you repeat that so that if anyone wants to look into it, they can? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maslow's? Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry. Okay. I think there's a bit of a lag, which is why like, I'm, I'm talking over you a little bit, and then I'm like, oh, she was talking. So... Yeah, unfortunately that happens with the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question is, when when did you start really having an interest in the pursuit of happiness? As far back as I can remember, I don't remember a time in my childhood when I felt actually happy until uh, high school when I realized that I have something to offer people. And when I realized that, I, I decided for myself that, you know, if I've got something to offer, then why am I not happy with that? That gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I, made, I made the decision then to always, if I'm not feeling happy, to address it in myself. Because it's not anybody's, it's not anybody else's responsibility to make me happy. True. And... I think I always put that off on other people. Like, these people are treating me so bad. How can I be happy with that? But it's not their responsibility. It's mine. I, I absolutely agree with that um, wholeheartedly. So um, you work in healthcare. You're a nurse. So you interact with a lot of people. I, I'm wondering, do you think, do you think that, generally speaking, most people are or are not happy? Are not. Oh, I would agree. <laughs> and then my follow-up question would be, do you think that most people even realize that they have the opportunity to be happy? No, no, not at all. That's been my experience as well. Although I don't work with the public as much as you do, so I feel like you're a, you're pretty great. Uh, you have a, a wide range of people that you interact with on a regular basis. So, uh, you've, I mean, I just interact with Oscar mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that right, Oscar? You're on my hierarchy. <laughs> he doesn't care. <laughs> so what about if someone like, you know, just came to the realization that maybe they don't have the power to make their life perfect or what they want, but they, they do maybe have some power to affect change in their own life. Where would you recommend someone start? Letting go of how people view them because they can't fix that. That's a great answer and something that I definitely have been working on. And it's, it's, it's such a process, right? Like you can feel like you're doing, like I'm doing so good. I've gone like six months without any problems with that. Something happens and suddenly I'm like, they hate me. And then I'm like, oh yeah, that doesn't matter. But I'm still in and out of the cycle. So, so definitely I agree that that's really a good place to start. Right after that, you've got to realize that that is not a one-time decision to stop worrying about what other people think because that's a constant battle. you got to realize that there's going to be hard times, and that's okay. 
there's going to be times when you really want to know what how this person feels about you and it's going to be on your mind and it's okay to have those times because it's everybody mm-hmm. everybody worries about what everybody else thinks but it, you've got to make the effort to not let it consume yourself you're just not yeah. gonna <laughs> not gonna recover from that 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 totally follows with with everything that I have been learning as well I think an element of it I think two elements of it are are big elements in DBT which I'm sure you know what DBT is maybe not but I'm, I'm sure you do for some reason so yeah like I, I think that you know working toward not caring what people think I think there's a big element of mindfulness like first you have to realize that you're caring and it's amazing how much it can slip by so there's an element of mindfulness watching what's going on in our brains is pretty huge and then radical acceptance what you're talking about like we can't change what people think of us people are going to make a version of us in their heads and they're going to they're going to stick to that and we do the same thing to other people whether we mean to or not it's part of our it's part of, part of our, our sociology and our survival mechanisms is that we have to make judgments about people so that we know how to make decisions so I think that the radical acceptance of that's going to happen, whether you want it to or not, is a huge piece of learning how to let go of what people think. I agree wholeheartedly. What other like pieces of advice would you give? Actually, I have, a, I have an even better question. Do you think, <laughs> I didn't write anything down. This is completely, so, so. <laughs> um, okay. Do you think it's possible? I know that a lot of people who are on the journey toward happiness have a lot of people in their lives who are not. Do you think that there is anything that someone can do to help someone see it? Because I know that just telling someone you're making the choice to not be happy is very invalidating, dismissive, and unhelpful most of the time. <laughs> so, so I don't think that that's the route people can go, but I think that that's the only thing people can think of that they can do to help the people around them. So they do that, even though the results are almost invariably awful. So do you think that there are other options to, to, to show people without coming across as arrogant or dismissive of their problems to show people that happiness is possible? Try to make it their realization that there's nothing they can do about what other people think or things that are making them unhappy. What I like to do is say, what do you feel is making you miserable? Can you do anything about it? If you can't do anything about it, what can you do to help you feel better? Because you're responsible for you. And then it becomes their idea. Their idea is to help themselves feel better. That's great advice. Oh, I'm, so, I'm so glad that we're having this conversation. <laughs> For anyone, for anyone who's un, not understanding, just to be clear, Bethany and I spent um, some time together 16 years ago and have been Facebook friends. Now. And then, you know, Facebook didn't exist then. So there was like a, a few years where we didn't really connect that much. And then we've been Facebook friends basically since Facebook became a public thing and have interacted here and there, but haven't actually gotten to have like a full on conversation. So it's very exciting for me because of course 16 years is a lot of time. People who were born when we last saw each other can drive now. So, um, <laughs> so, so it's very exciting. So if we seem giggly, that's why. Uh, <laughs> so 
following up, I guess actually before I ask more questions, because I never run out of questions, is there anything about the topic of happiness that you want to say or resources that you think that people should or could go to? Because I want to make sure that I give you, you know, the floor and the space to talk because because I really respect your and value your, your thoughts and opinions on it. Don't be afraid of help. A lot of people feel like they've got to battle it on their own. And and I, I understand that I tried to battle it all on my own for a very long time. But sometimes, even if it's for just a short period of time, having somebody professional to talk to or medication is what you might need to get you through that next step to feel like you're proud of yourself and the decisions that you That's a very, very good point. And it's so, it's so interesting because... I don't really understand the stigma around getting help. Like I see it, like all around me, people fear getting help, especially professional help, which is especially interesting to me because people will go to what's usually echo chambers and and seek help in a non-professional capacity and for whatever reason, very, very resistant to seeking help. Now there are, of course, like it can be cost prohibitive. That totally makes sense to me. But the idea that seeking professional help is somehow embarrassing, but seeking help from people who aren't professionals isn't, is very, very interesting to me. Yeah, I have a theory on that too. Like, because a lot of, a lot of people are very good at acting like they're really happy. So if you feel like you need professional help, it can feel like maybe you're not doing something right in your life. And I can almost guarantee that every single person that you see walking around with a smile on their face is feeling some hard stuff too and going through their own stuff and doing what they have to do to get through it themselves. And you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. And you don't gotta share. If you're in therapy, taking medication, that's your own personal thing. If it makes you feel like you're less of a person, then that's something you gotta work on and nobody else's business. That's a very good point, too. I feel like there is a lot of pressure for people as the world is shifting toward a more open attitude towards mental health, which I think is obviously fantastic. As the world is shifting to that, though, I think that there's a lot of people who are kind of in between worlds, who they see the value in the mental health shift and and are like, yeah, and they want to be part of it, but aren't ready to do that. But they feel a pressure to say, yeah, I'm in therapy and it's okay even though they may not actually be okay with it yet. And so I think it's important to be mindful of meeting ourselves where we're at and, you know, dropping some of that, dropping some of the shame about I'm not contributing enough to this movement and also dropping some of the shame about the fact that we need help. And I mean, it's, it's such a funny thing to me because I think, I think that when I look at it, there's so much more strength in accepting help than then it is a weakness. It's talked about like a weakness. You should be able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And like, that's such a nice theory, but it, it shows strength to say, I can't be all things to everyone. I can't do everything by myself. And, and I think that it also, one of the, one of the struggles for me at least was a lack of humility when I first started going through things is that I, I just didn't like the idea I just didn't like the idea, partly that people might perceive me as unhappy. I'm, you know, I tend to be a very unhappy, or I'm sorry, (laughs) that was a weird Freudian slip. (laughs) I tend to be a very happy person with intermittent spaces that are really unhappy. 
And I definitely feel the strong need to hide away that unhappiness, which is part of the reason I'm doing this podcast. It just is to be like, haha, you've told the whole world now, can't take it back. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't know where I was going with this. Basically, I just think that there's, there's shame coming from every angle. And that's something that is easier to deal with when we're aware of it, I think. I don't know if you froze. I think you froze. Or you're very, very good at staying perfectly still. I have no idea what you said. Skype just kind of. Very good. Yeah. I said, I said, I think you froze, or you're very, very good at staying perfectly still. (laughs) Pause challenge. So all I was saying basically is that I just think that there's shame coming from every angle and being aware of that shame, at least just being knowing that it's there and that it doesn't necessarily serve a purpose beyond kind of keeping us frozen. I think that that's helpful to move through it. Yeah. Uh, I had a thought in my head before Skype decided it didn't want to work. (laughs) (laughs) Man, it's just gone now. Oh, that's okay. Basically, like I said, I think I think that happiness is a lot of things, but I think that your description of it at the very beginning was very good, is, is just the piece of knowing that things are generally good and that that doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen and you're not going to have to move through, navigate through messy and ugly and difficult situations, but knowing that you will be able to move through those ugly and messy situations and still mostly be okay on the other side. Or at least that it's not exactly what you said, but that's what I, I read from what you said. Basically the same. It's just worded different. <laughs> yeah. The hierarchy of needs. I'm going to, I'm going to read, I'm going to read that. I see, and you mentioned it in the messages that you sent me, but of course life got chaotic and I, I just never followed through with reading it because life is like that. I think actually that, that brings me to another thought that I have about happiness. Um, is the idea of meeting ourselves where we're at and realizing that you know it can it can be it it is a lifelong maybe not lifelong but a years long process to even get to somewhere where you're mostly okay from my experience um so it's definitely a super long process and there is a million different things that we can do to attack it from different angles and i think that if we don't have the strength to do that for whatever reason our life is chaotic or whatever for whatever reason in a given time I think that there is a lot of value in making sure that we're not shaming ourselves in the meantime. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. It's funny because we, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I deal with, with a lot of uh, depression, anxiety, and PTSD. I had a, a an abusive ex-husband and I, I was a shell of, of the woman I was before. I married him after it was all been done. And I have worked very hard to get back to just feeling like I'm a person again. And I come off as a very, very happy, bubbly person. So when I feel um, like everything's not okay, even for just the night, I feel like I'm faking my happiness. And I know that I'm not the only person that goes through things like that. And I, I'm a very, 
realistic person. I'm able to remind myself, you know, this is this is not my life. It's just tonight, and my life is really good. It, it's a lot better than it used to be, and I'm really happy with how things are. It's just suddenly I feel all of the things my ex-husband used to tell me about myself, and what I what I have encountered with working with a lot of people with PTSD of abusive relationships is when they have these moments they feel like it's going to be their life forever and it's not and it's normal to revisit how that feels to be in that relationship again it is completely normal but it's not your life anymore you're you're out and it's okay to say to somebody who you trust I'm having a hard time tonight. I'm okay, but it's a hard time tonight. That is a very, very good point. Remembering that those moments are temporary is huge for me as well in tough times because I I also have PTSD and anxiety, but for different reasons. <laughs> and and I so I go through the same thing. And um, it's interesting you say that because this is the first time that I'm even realizing that I do this. But when in the last year, when things have gotten extremely bad and volatile for me, remembering that, okay, I know I'm going to be okay soon makes a huge difference, a huge difference in my ability to get through it. You know, you can handle anything for 10 seconds at a time. You can handle anything for one night at a time. It's the feeling like it's forever that, that really makes it feel hopeless. Yes, I think. That, that mindset uh, had me in a slump for almost eight months, very recently, actually, but I think that was mostly pregnancy hormones. Like, yeah. <laughs> being able to get out of it. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I realized that I, I started to shut down for my husband. I, I, he's my rock. I, tell, I come to him for everything. And it took, it took a while for me to be able to do that, but I started to shut down from him and I wasn't talking to him anymore. And I realized that okay, I'm not, I'm not getting out of this on my own anytime soon. And I started going to therapy and I'm now on medication and it's, I don't feel cloudy anymore. I still, I still have moments where I feel shit, but. And that's, that's really, really cool to hear that, that you're doing a lot better. Congratulations, by the way, on both of your children. I, uh, I still have no children, but I have a cat and he's wonderful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I, I think I think you bring up an interesting point about how the when things start to get hard, oh, the connection's lost. Okay. We're just gonna wait a couple seconds. Come on, Bethany. Now you're the one that's good at the pause challenge. Can you hear me? Okay. So we lost the connection. My internet cut out and we lost the call. So I phoned her back and <laughs> we started talking again. And it didn't take too long for me to realize that I hadn't started recording on Skype again. So my audacity picked up everything that I had said, but we lost hers. So I just cut out that section and started playing it again at the moment that I realized that I wasn't recording. Oh shit! I'm not recording. Sorry. 
Ah! So I lost Bethany and then I didn't record when I got her back. So the, um, <laughs> this, this episode will be a little choppy and messy, but that's all right. So what I was just saying to Bethany before I realized that I was not recording is, uh, is that I think that a lot of people have the tendency to, once we pass a certain threshold of difficulty in our, in our mental wellness or mental health, we have a tendency to isolate and it's impossible to see that threshold. And I don't really have anything to say about it, except for that it's an interesting observation that I've experienced that. And, you know, many, many people I know have, including as Bethany just dated. Do you go by Beth now, by the way? Because I noticed your yeah. name is Beth on, on Facebook. And it might be weird that I keep saying Bethany. Oh, no, I still, I, I go by Bethany. I got a new Facebook after my ex-husband and I separated. And I want it to be a little harder to find me. <laughs> if you search Bethany, you don't find my Beth page. But you find my own old Beth, Bethany Garrison page. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> So yeah, I, I, I am so grateful that you came here to talk to me about this. It's so funny because, because we, we disconnected and it's, it's almost, uh, almost the amount of time that I normally kind of a lot. Cause I, I don't like, like Joe Rogan. I like Joe Rogan, but I don't like his podcasts. They're like three hours long. Cause I always feel like I don't have the energy or time to listen to this. So, so I, so I try to keep them, you know, around 20 minutes to half an hour. Sometimes they go a little bit longer, but so I think it's ironic that I lost you to say like, you know, a couple of sentences and then, but is there, <laughs> is there anything else that you would like anyone listening to know? I mean, I don't have a big following by the way. I mean, it's around 20 people. So. <laughs> but you're just starting, mm -hmm. you know, and when people, uh, you know, a year from now find your podcast they're gonna go back to the beginning because that's what any good podcast listener does <laughs> <laughs> of course of course i'm just i'm just warning you that this isn't like i said i'm putting it out to the world it's i'm putting it out to 20 people and i don't even know who those 20 people are I and mean, they could literally all be my family <laughs> but uh but yeah, is there anything else that you want to say to the world of 20 people? Make a decision for yourself. Stop waiting for other people to decide for you. Ooh, good advice. Very good advice. Well, I, I appreciate this so much and I, I just love you to bits. I don't know if you know that, but I just love you to bits. And sorry? But I love you too. Oh, okay. It like cut out just as you said that. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> And I, if ever, if ever you have any topics that you're like, oh, or if you hear something I say and you're like, oh, I have thoughts on that. Um, and you want to do like a follow up episode, anything like that, anytime you are always welcome. And you're also always welcome in my DMs if you don't want to do it publicly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I love you and I love anyone listening. Even if I don't know you, it's true. You're going to have to get over it. And, uh. I hope everyone has a wonderful, uh, wonderful amount of time until next they hear from me. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>